Welcome back to Draft Vice, and today we are talking about defensive backs. Uh, depending on how it gets split up, it might just be it might be all defensive backs, or it might be split into corners and safeties. You'll know from being able to look at the title of the episode, though. Uh, and today I brought on a, a, a brought on Ricky, yeah, from all the way from back from last year, uh, and now we yeah we finally get him back in the room. I was able to convince him. I I laid some candy out, like uh, I had to trap him. Actually, the door's locked. The door beho- behind the void that's behind us. Uh, there's actually an entrance way. But uh, yes, yeah, so I brought back Ricky. How's it going? That's good to be back. You know, it's. I would like to say the excuse of, of COVID kept us apart, but I feel like I've I've seen you in we- other in other venues quite a bit. At, you know, family things. So yes, I, it's really just a matter of you think I'd have more free time, but I guess not. So, no, well, you were working like crazy at one point. Yeah, so. hard to do it back then, but just in time because draft is next week. Yeah. So, and, and I wait to the last minute. And since the draft is the, the next week, uh, I, you know, if you, if you follow the show, there's going to be a live show. Um, we're doing a live stream the night of the draft. It's also going to be live from Nanuet, New York, the heart of New York, as I like to say, because um, nobody cares about New York City or Buffalo or Albany or all the other places or Saratoga. No, Nanuet, New York, the home of the strip mall. We're going to be uh, we're going to be in at the spot billiards uh you can come watch in person or if you're too worried you still haven't gotten your vaccine uh or you just don't like people uh, or you're too far from nanuet say you're in cleveland at the draft but you're like you know what i want to hear walter's opinion on this uh you could pull it up you could see a live stream on the youtube the same place where you could find all of our lovely videos and uh, we will have guests. It's not just going to be me. It'll be uh, me along with a panel of people, of comedians and people who kind of are interested in football. We might even take audience participation into account, have some people who want to pop in and just be like, I hate the Jets or I hate the Steelers or I hate the Browns. And then that person will get kicked off the show completely. Um, take that guy out of here. So, yes, live show. Tune in. Uh, live stream on the YouTube or just show up in person, preferably wearing a mask. Uh, anyway, so today's episode, we are talking about uh, cornerbacks. We'll start with cornerbacks first. And then if we split this, safeties will be on the next episode. So cornerbacks interesting this year. Deep position, steep position every year, but deep, deep good position this year. Wow, it's exciting. It's, uh, you know, right off the bat, like the top three guys. I don't think people felt all excited about the depth in this draft initially. But there's guys like, but when you looked at the top, right? So Farley was a big one that everybody liked and was talking about initially. And then he had the back issues. And it's like, uh, he's actually had two back surgeries, plus he had an ACL. So that's those are the things that might push him down some team's boards. They don't know where he's going to end up falling to. Um, then there was J.C. Horn. And Horn's one of my favorites in this draft class. Shooting up draft boards. He's shooting up. I you already were on him early. Yes. So yes, Ricky has text messages. I'm like, I like this Horn guy. I like him better than Sertain a little bit. It's almost Th- like they were reading his notes because then That's as what, time went on, all what the happens. GMs were like, oh, J.C. Horn. I think they're watching this. I think they, what they do is they tap your phone, and when I text <laughs> you something, it's like the Baker Mayfield thing. I'm like, I think the Browns like Baker Mayfield, and I sent that to you back like in March of that year, mm-hmm. and I'm like, dude, it's at plus four thousand, and then all of a sudden, like week of the draft, everybody's like, well, the Browns are taking Baker. Mayfield. Mayfield, didn't you hear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they told Hugh Jackson what they were doing. <laughs> but anyway, we're getting back. We're getting too off topic. Uh, yes, J.C. Horn. I, I think what I like about J.C. Horn is they put him on the best guy. 
They yeah. move him around. Like, I, I think it's also the thing I hated about J.C. Horn is to watch his film, you had to spend a lot of time trying to find him because <laughs> they, they would move him around the formation. Left corner, right corner, he's blitzing, he's lined up as a linebacker. He's in the slot. Yeah. He, you know, they're putting him up against the best guy. They'll put him against Kyle Pitts. They'll put And, like, he did really well against Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts got a, a little bit of him a couple of times. But, yeah. again, they are putting him up against the best guys. And they, that's kind of cool to see somebody challenged like that. Now, like, and if you – the real problem I think some teams are going to have with him is the assessment of him in zone. And that's just because the team sucked in zone. Like, yeah. like what are you going to do if the rest of the team's not doing well in zone? How do you gauge this one player where it's just like, I don't know what South Carolina is doing, like, to be honest. And, like – but when he's playing press, man, when he's on a guy, he's on a guy. Yeah. Um, and then like we'll, we'll top off the top three or we'll, we'll do the top four real quick because these are the top four on a lot of people's boards at least for, uh, from the consensus uh, from what I've seen. Uh, Patrick Sertain. Love him. Love him. Big Love fan him. of him. Very uh, complete player. Alabama corner line primarily up on the left side. Uh, very good. Family, uh, uh, you know, uh, family bloodline. lineage. Yeah, yeah. bloodline very guy. Good. His father was a very good corner. Gave the Broncos a lot of problems for a lot of years, and then he also played for the Dolphins uh, as well as the Chiefs. So they're a little different in their styles and their size. He's a little bigger than his dad. Yeah. But uh, he's, he's a very complete player, a lot like his dad. He's physical. Um, I remember early on people were kind of questioning his speed, and, and when you just watch the tape, you can kind of understand why because he's such a smooth, long-strided runner where it doesn't look like he's exerting himself, but people aren't separating from him. Yes. So I think that's why when he tested pretty well, he put that all those answers to bed, um, but that's what happens a lot of times with these these long corners. They they don't always look as twitchy on film, yes. but he's on people like glue. Yes, I think that's the key. There is the twitch. I think people didn't see, and then but he's not getting beat, especially because when you're seeing him, he is probably the like. I would say uh, you you're gonna stick him on one side of the field. You're gonna set him up and lock it down from mm -hmm. there. And he is so good at getting at you at the line of scrimmage, pressing yes. you, jamming you. Like, as far as guys who are good at jamming at the line of scrimmage and technically sound guys, he's probably the best one in this class. Oh, yeah. And he's, like, he's always in good position. So you can tell yes. he does good film study. So it's not just, it's not just man. It's zone. He's well coached. Not just because of Alabama, but I'm sure his dad had something to do with that. Yeah. But the thing with a lot of Alabama players, particularly the secondary – they're well coached. Saban knows what he's doing. Yes. Now, the knock on that is how much are they going to develop? You know, a lot of these Bama and, and, and even Ohio State when Urban Meyer was there, a lot of these guys, they come in ready to start, and they're starters for a, quite a few years, but they never actually always hit that all-pro level. Yes. And it's because they squeeze all that juice out of them. But I think with an exception might be Patrick Sertain because I think he still has room to grow on top of the fact that he's been well coached. Um I don't know that he's one of those prospects that you need to be worried about. I think he's a perennial pro bowler from day one. Yes. I, and also, I, if you watch the workout of him, he just, he looked like the cornerback version of DK Metcalf, <laughs> where everybody's just like, oh, my God, he, look, like, he looks like Megatron. He looks like this just crazy athlete, and he does. It's weird because him and J.C. Horn had their – pro days like a day apart from each other and jc horn was the day later and he just did everything one little bit better yeah like he was just like i'm just competing with certain i know that so right. i'm just gonna do everything better so I, I i like those i like both those guys i think it different 
I, I think it's flavoring yeah. kind of guys. Like yeah. if you are looking for the guy who I think can eventually be a shutdown man corner where I'm going to have him travel around on the, the where I'm putting him on the best guy, I might like J.C. Horn better. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking for the guy to be like, we're going to put you on this side of the field, we don't have to worry about that side of the field, and we can kind of cheat with our safeties and mess around, I think I would take Sertain. If I want the guy with the solid floor, I want to take Sertain. Yeah. The one issue I have with Sertain is that he – he played primarily on the left side, so you didn't get to see him even switch to the right side of the field, get to see, like, and especially because left side of the field, a lot of times, you know, you'll see a lot of quarterbacks coming out don't target the left side a lot already. Mm-hmm. So there is that. That's the one issue of all the things certain. I don't think it's a big issue because also guys weren't throwing at him because he was covering them. Yeah. But it is the issue of, oh, like, for instance, people would always say, like, oh, Trubisky can't throw to his left side of the – like, to the left. Like, yeah. that's an actual can't throw problem. throw to his right either. I mean, and he can't throw in general, but I'm, there's I'm a sorry, reason why Mitch. he's the backup to Josh yeah. Allen now. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Mitch. We still love you, kind of, like, as a solid backup. Yes. Um, but what I would say, too, with that whole left side, right side thing, it's a fair point. Um, and that – but Namdi Asimo made a pretty good career out of that for a long time before yeah. switching over to the Eagles. And I think that's – one of the comps that he could be drawn to. Another comp I like to draw him to, though, is because I think he has the potential to move around. Sometimes because of his size and his smarts and his ability to tackle, he looks like a safety playing corner. Yeah. And I think longevity-wise, you're talking 10 years down the line, I can see this guy moving to free safety later in his career, a lot like Charles Woodson. Yeah. You know, And I know Charles Woodson, Heisman Trophy, all that other stuff, not quite there right now for Sertan, but I'm not going to put that outside the realm of possibilities for him. Well, he's funny is I, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Kev, DJ Intense, been on here plenty of times before, was on the live stream last year. Uh, he hit me up, and he's like, I think Sertain is probably a safety at some point in mm-hmm. his career. So, he he said the same thing. He like, reminds me of Byron Jones. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, but the mistake with Byron Jones was they switched him to safety when he was playing corner the whole time in college. Yeah. And then they're like, why isn't he working at safety? And it's <laughs> like, well, you drafted a corner. Maybe play him at corner. Right. So... Uh, it's like the reverse of uh, Demarius Randall before he just kind yeah. of flamed out, which was you drafted a safety, you played him at corner, it didn't work out. And that was Why? an interesting one because usually it goes corner to safety. Yeah. Because usually they say, oh, if you're not athletic enough to play corner, maybe move to safety. But sometimes you need to know more of the plays. You yeah. You need to know more of the smarts, and it doesn't always work. Randall was interesting because he went the opposite. Athlet- very athletic safety. They said, why don't we use you at corner? Yeah, and actually there might be an argument that maybe just having athletic safeties is a – devalued uh, element and we'll talk about that on the safety portion of everything um next guy the uh, next two guys on the list are guys i i feel nervous about either one of them because they have injury concerns different injuries uh greg newsom at a northwestern mm-hmm. and uh caleb farley we already talked a little bit about the back but caleb farley is just a, an interesting cat because if he was healthy i think there's definitely an argument for him to be number one um, the elite level athleticism, we didn't get to see his pro day because he literally had his back surgery the week of the pro day, but he's been clocked going four two two. He's, you know, I don't think anybody's, anybody who's watched him is not questioning his athleticism. Um, I, I, I think the real problem is you didn't get to see him in a lot of man reps. You got to see him all, which might be for a guy who's super athletic, getting to see him more in these off zone, off man coverages. You might be like, you know what? I know he could do that. If I can get, if I could teach him press man, I might be able to get the best out of him. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I think he had like a hundred or so press man reps his whole time in college. Yeah. He's still relatively new to the position too, 
So I, I don't know. I think he's a he's a dynamite athlete. Um, good zone instincts. So if you already again like you have this super athlete in zone, and you you're trying to push him to be a man corner. I think like if I think there is a way of getting him to turn into a good man corner since yeah. he has the athleticism. Right. Um, and that's a, still a projection, but it's all projecting. Like, you know, that's that's a lot of it. Is You're not seeing every player do every little thing that they're going to be doing at the next level. I think that projection lines up very well. The problem with Farley and the reason why he's fallen off the boards, two back surgeries, he had two microdiscectomies. I think the first one was a microdiscectomy, um, where he was trying to uh, – and actually they were like a year apart too. Mm-hmm. So, Do you know if they were the same uh, disc? I don't uh, – Because that plays a role. If it's the same one, it's reoccurring. There might be an issue because he might need to get it fused at some point in time. Um, if it's two different ones, I'd be a little less concerned. But there might be something to talk about with regards to whatever his strength and conditioning program is. If he's not if he's not lifting properly, if there's form involved. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's more injury prone than others. But if somebody's not teaching him the proper techniques with regards to weight training, that might have a lot to do with it. Yeah, so that might affect it. Um, I do. I, I've heard a little bit more on it as well as it's the same surgery that uh, Tiger Woods had, where initially he came back and he played really well, and then. But what ends up happening is, is maybe there's also an an issue down the line of re-injury. Yeah. Of, you know, if you tackle incorrectly, especially if you're a zone corner, tackling is a big part of playing in zone. Uh, but it, you know, if you're hoping to run a more man coverage scheme and you're not as worried about him tackling and you're okay with him making certain business decisions, then I, I think maybe you could look at him and be like, you know what? We know we're going to get at least a couple of years out of him. Like he will probably play this next year. He'll, he'll be playing in 21, probably 22. The question is the second contract. The yeah. second, the question is, is down the line. Mm-hmm. What are you getting out of him? Are you expending a first-round pick on a guy who you can't even extend down the line? Yeah. Um, and then that's, I think, the question teams are going to ask themselves. So I can actually speak a little bit to this on the personal level because I've had yeah. the same thing done. Now, I don't know where in his back it is. Yeah. The lower it is, the more concerning it is to me yeah. for this because it affects your athleticism and explosiveness. Now, when I first had it, I was back play. I had it in the off season, and I was back playing and didn't have any problems for the rest of the three years I played in college. Now, what it did kind of limit is I've noticed uh, explosiveness in the vertical jump was just a little bit different, which is particularly concerning for a corner. At yes. Times. Now, he has much better uh, athletic trainers than I did at the D3 level, but it is something to keep an eye on, especially since he's gone through it twice. But mm-hmm. as far as speed, as far as you know, hips and all that other stuff and contact, it was never a problem. Um, I can say it ended up being re-injured in like a pickup football game five years later or so. Um, it, it, it does have a propensity to re-injure itself. Yes. Um, but it is also something that can be well managed with proper uh, um, decompression and, uh, you know, a lot, a, a lot of the things that they're allowed to use now that maybe not need to dip back into surgery. And at the end of the day, if you need a fusion, I'm not exactly sure how that translates to the NFL. I'm sure he's not the first person to do it. Um, but it would limit your mobility to some extent. So like you said, I've heard early it. on, I wouldn't be that concerned. Um, but if you're looking about that second contract, you just got to see where he's at at that time. If he's had another injury in that time period, even if it's in the off season. Yeah, I think my going. one concern, especially because I haven't heard of a lot of corners having that having right. a fusion. I've heard of a lot of offensive linemen having it because yes. they tend to have a lot of back issues. Same thing with defensive linemen. I've heard of a lot of them coming back to play, but they're also not expected to be these right. you know, elite 
athletes chasing around other elite athletes. They're the going, range of motion is yeah. not as important. So I I feel like it's a, a risk assessment issue. I think teams are going to value it differently. I think again, if you're if you're a team that has the opportunity to take J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain, that might put him behind those two guys. But you might not have him ahead of Asante Samuel Jr. You might not have him ahead of Eric Stokes because you look at it and you go, well, listen, you know what? He's already better than those guys, and he has such an elite level of possibilities at, at his talent level. Even if you get him for one contract, he's better at like what you're getting out of him. Right. Um, the other guy I want to talk about in these top four, he's generally in a lot of the top four rankings, is Greg Newsom. I like him a lot. Yeah, out of Washington. Now, he's another guy who, again, there's a little bit of projection, didn't play a lot of press man, but played a lot of off-man coverage, played a lot of zone, and showed very good uh, awareness, very good, very, like, oily hips, very, yeah. like, very good movement Excellent skills. Excellent footwork. Yes. I watched him uh, break on what I saw, a triple move. I, they don't, I think they're just making up routes out there, but, <laughs> you know, he broke on it as if he was gambling. Yes. And uh, was able to just flip his hips around real quick because he was never, his feet never leave the box. When he's when he's doing his back pedal, he's never out of position. He's never overextending. Um, I know one of the knocks on him when I was reading the report was that they worry about his acceleration out of the break mm-hmm. in short area quickness like that when when, when change of direction. But his footwork's so good that he's never out of a position where he's gonna need to really make up ground on that as that 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 part of it. It's what I've seen, and I I tend to really like him. He's a he's a good tackler. He's a willing tackler. Um, he shows at least a potential to play to learn press man. Yes. I mean, I think he's athletic enough to do so. His, his footwork and his agility is good enough to do so. It's just a matter of what they asked him to do in college, and I would argue that off man's more difficult. So I, I, I actually like the way he played it, and hopefully they're able to use him in a way and then coach him up on the other, on the other uh, schemes if they need to transition. No, I I kind of I agree. And that's we're going to have a couple of guys who are like that where they didn't get to play a lot of press man or they didn't get coached maybe even how to do press man maybe even correctly. So I it's good to hear you say that where again like getting your assessment of Greg Newsom and again I like Greg Newsom. I think my one thing outside of the the on the field analysis is he's had injuries over the years, a lot yeah. of soft tissue injuries. Mm-hmm. So if you're a team that has maybe uh where he's your third corner like yeah, there's a lot of talk of the Browns maybe taking him if he falls to them in the 20s. Um, there's probably going to be teams way before them taking him. For instance, the Titans, there's a lot of teams that probably need corners long before the mid-20s. He's probably going top 15, especially if teams rank him ahead of Farley. Correct, which I personally have him ahead of Farley. Now, again, Farley's great. Yeah, frustrates me about Farley. You talked about the injuries. It's less concerning for me right off the bat. I, what frustrates me with him is he looks so good in the – the time frame we saw him in, it would be nice to get another year of tape on him to really solidify. Is he better than Sertan and Horn? Yeah. Is he worse than 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 Greg Newsom? So that's why people have him all over the board. Um, people argue, you know, he, you know, you're preparing for the draft. Maybe because of his injury history, not not a bad idea to take a year off and get himself healthy. He's probably doing decompression, all that other stuff he needs to do. Um, so if he leverages that in interviews, that might help. But as far as seeing him on tape. He's got the talent. I would have just liked a little more film. Yeah, I agree. I, well, also, both those guys you have limited film of because, again, um, right. Newsom did not play right. every game in every season that he was in. With Farley, I agree because he's had both back surgeries in that year frame where he did not play. Right. So that's actually kind of the bigger worry of, of 
Farley is, well, you didn't play, you opted out, we didn't get your athletic measurables because we didn't get to see you at your pro day. So there's a lot of things that stack on the the risk assessment profile of Farley versus Newsom. Listen, guys have soft tissue injuries. You might learn how to – there's ways yeah. to sometimes managing NFL that. athletic trainers, I would hope, might be just one cut above, you know, Big Ten trainers. I don't know. Yes, but history of, of soft tissue injuries is sometimes a concern, yes. and it does repeat usually throughout your career. But if you're getting eight, nine, ten games out of the guy a year, and that's what you're hoping, you know, may, you know, if you're getting a minimum of ten games out of Newsom, and then you have a solid backup, and you have a good rotation of corners, maybe that's fine. Mm-hmm. And again, if if Newsom's not your number one guy right away, I think that's the best move. Is you're able to maybe work around some of the early weaknesses that you might see or uh, the stuff that he hasn't done yet. Yeah. And be able to like again, if you have a true number one corner, um, for instance, again, the Titans I mentioned before is potentially being an option. The other uh, team I'm thinking of is the Cardinals because mm-hmm. they pro- they definitely need corner at this point. Cardinals need wide receivers and corners, and that's it to really make their team look at least somewhat more complete. Um, they have Malcolm Butler. Yep. They Byron Murphy hasn't turned into an, uh, an all-pro, but he's at least been a solid slot corner for them. Sure. And now they have that great pass rush up front. They have Buda Baker. I think Newsom to the the Cardinals is probably like the ceiling of where he might go. Yep. And then the floor is probably anywhere in the mid twenties. So I and I think if he falls to them, I, I don't see him getting out of the first round. Like he's a guy who's going to probably, at least in my mind, unless teams are really afraid of that soft tissue, he's going first round. I could see him being a good fit in Pittsburgh as well. Whether they need how many defensive backs they need, he just feels Pittsburgh to me. Well, and they just got rid of Steven Nelson. Yeah, and I, he's also a guy right that. He, because of how good his footwork is and because how good he is at off man, if they need to play him in the slot, if they need to play him as a roll-up safety or anything like that, they have that option because I think off man and his level of footwork transitions well to that. A lot of times people rely on their athleticism and he's a good athlete, but the problem with good athletes is sometimes they get a little lazy in their back pedal. They get a little lazy on their footwork because they know they can, they can accommodate, they can, they can make up for it you know, with their raw athleticism. He seems to be disciplined technician when it comes to that, um, both natural footwork and he clearly works on it. So I think that that might play a role in where he's valued as well. All right. So th- those are the top four guys generally on a lot of teams' boards. Um, I would argue there's a uh, somebody else that should be in the top four, but I'm, I know we're going to get to him next. All right. Asante Samuel? Yes. All right. I like it. You, yeah, I like that because I like Asante Samuel a lot too. So let's talk about Asante Samuel. Not the biggest guy in the world, but man, he does everything pretty damn well. Everything. And it's weird because his dad was a ball hawk, a little bit of a gambler, would get beat a lot, but would make a lot of big plays. And what I would argue with his son is he has the ability to make those big plays, but he's a lot more eye disciplined. He's a lot more read and react. Um, he, he shows a lot of, of, of good man skills as well as zone skills. Uh, I, I love him. I love him. And I also think he when I was watching his tape initially, the earlier 2019, yeah, tape, I was like, he's a little bit of an ankle biter. He's a little bit of not necessarily a rap tackler that seemed to progress and get a little better. Maybe he put on a little more size. Maybe he got a little more comfortable not going in there wide eyed as a younger player. But uh, his tackling got a little bit better. That would be maybe my only concern. Which but is I, a fl- shock, by the way, because like nobody at Flor- nobody in the Florida Seminoles ever freaking develops anywhere. Like you look at Hamza Nazareldine, we'll probably talk in the safety yeah. episode. 
Marvin Wilson. There's so many guys who go there and they just they stay linear because the mm-hmm. coaching there is not great. The right. fact that he developed and partially probably because of the family lineage as well. Yeah, that yes. I I think that he the fact that he even developed there and turned into an even better player is impressive to me on, on its own feet. Right. But like you said, like he got better in 2020. A lot better. Like I remember size being an issue in 2019. It wasn't in 2020. No, and his dad wasn't all that big either, but his dad was a willing hitter and uh, not the most technically sound tackler, a little bit of an, uh, a knee diver as well, but um, willing and aggressive, and I'm sure he's able to coach his son up on you know where you put your head, breaking down before you make the, the read. He, he showed some good open field tackling skills as well, yeah. where he wasn't just putting his head down and praying he hits the, uh, a shin. But so it was uh, it was encouraging. And that's why I kind of have him and Greg Newsome, you know, kind of at three and with Farley around four. You know, between the two of them, it's like tied for me. See, the one issue I think teams have, I think people have first off, they probably watched the Clemson game. They noticed that he had some issues with some of the taller guys in 2019. Um, I think the other issue is, is the athleticism and the height compared to everybody else in this draft class where everybody seems to be a tall athlete this year. He did not measure in super tall and his athleticism didn't come in like super great numbers. So I think that's maybe what's holding him back. Some people might look at it and go, well, he ran in the four fours. Like I look at him as maybe a less, like a lesser version of Denzel Ward or Jair Alexander. He's not running in the four threes. So you're not getting that guy, but maybe like the step down from those two guys, which would still be a very good corner. Yeah. Like that's where I'm seeing him, and that's why I think I li- you and I like him a lot better is because first off he shows the know-how where right. that he's still athletic. He's not like no, listen. He's still running in the four fours. It's if not you're running like he's... in the four fours in the NFL. I mean, most NFL corners are probably in the four 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 five range if you just take an aggregate of all of them. Yeah. Some of the ones that stand out and go in the first round are running four three, and I can can see because he's a little bit shorter and a little bit slighter, you'd want him to be a little more athletic. Whereas the taller guys tend to be a little more athletic on this end. But I think they're high-end athletes. I also think he's a product of the times. People love big corners nowadays. It doesn't mean that short corners weren't effective forever before that. So I think maybe if you took this draft five, six years ago, you'd be talking about a top two guy. Yeah. Um, who knows? But that tends to play a role in it. You're absolutely right. And also because the other four guys in the top five, generally for people, are guys who are above six feet tall yes. and do show good athleticism. Because, again, you have J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain, Greg Newsome, and Caleb Farley, all of which have shown – you know, a good tenth of a second better in the 40 time. Yep. Uh, yeah, like and Farley, you're talking about height, yeah. jumping and all that other stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, it really l- – length in terms of press coverage. So, like, maybe some team, some play, uh, some teams might think maybe he's topped out of what he can do athletically, mm-hmm. whereas they might look at those other guys and go, well, we see the potential here, and the potential's a big way of getting yourself fired, but sometimes <laughs> it's also a good way of getting yourself somebody who can be that next-level player, and that's, that's why some teams look at potential a little bit more. But I agree. I think he's a top-five corner in this draft class. I know some people – I've seen ranks where he's been all the way down to eight or nine. Yeah. That blows my mind sometimes because I feel like he – you're getting a good player now. Those maybe, are guys that would rather have a six foot four corner that runs four six. Yeah, That's what, if they're or, well, him or eight, four three, if we're talking about yeah, Eric Stokes. Well, yes, but uh, but what I mean is, in t- it, typically, I, I don't know how you put him down that low just with his skills on tape. I would make the case between him and Greg Newsom that Newsom's a much more refined tackler. He's a much more a much more confident in his tackling ability. He's much more consistent in, with his tackling ability. So, um, even though we've seen Asante Samuel get better, that's kind of where the the 
if I'm edging one over the other is where I'd put Nixon. And I think, and the one thing that maybe I like about Asante Samuel better is he does not have the injury history of right. the other guys that are in his range that, like, again, you look at his tape and you just go, this guy's really good. So those guys I really like. I wouldn't mind taking any one of those guys on day one. Especially, uh, with the caveat of the injury and knowing, wishing I knew more about the injury for Newsom and especially Farley, because I think Farley could fall all the way to mid-second round yeah. because of the injury for some teams. People get scared. Yeah. Well, especially if you have the opportunity to take a guy who you have similarly rated yeah. at maybe a different position of similar value, say an edge rusher who you really like, an Aziz Ojolari. Uh, you know, if there's a guy who's like a high-end edge rusher that you maybe like, like or Quiddy Pay or uh, Jason Owe or, you know, Joseph Osai, like one of those guys, like maybe you might be like, you know what, I feel okay about my corner room. I'll take the guy who might have the higher ceiling or won't have the injury, as many injury concerns. So I could see those guys getting put on boards differently. Yeah, I think if he played this year, you would – I really think that they would give them a little bit more confidence with regards to dealing with the injury and all yes. that other stuff, how they see it on tape. Now, because he hasn't, and because he's not the clear number one corner, he kind of has slide written all over him. And yes. that's no disrespect to him, but that's just, in my experience, watching these GMs and how they evaluate people. And if they have people similarly rated, um, they, they're, they're looking for any reason to just – Make that decision easier. It's a winnowing process. Whittle yeah. down your board and get the guy who, you know, it's, it's also risk assessment. Yes. And if you can, you know, take the risk assessment and make it easier on yourself and say, listen, I at least know this guy's going to play probably 17 games without having to worry too much about there being prior risks or injury, then you're going to take that guy. Um, I've talked about it before with Jason Owe and uh, not Jason Owe, uh, Jalen Phillips and the concussions. <clears throat> right. I think teams are going to really, especially with the concussions, if you have a concussion history, they're going to really push you down the board because that's not even something you can play through. No, you have an independent neurologist who has to clear you for that, and that always worries me with some that's players. A good point. Um, the next group of guys, I have a Fetu Melifanwu, Stokes, Kelvin Joseph, Tyson Campbell, so two Talk about height, Melifanu. Yes, I like Melifonwu. I like he's another one of those guys. We were talking about Greg Newsom before. Played a lot more off man and a lot more zone coverage. But I mean, like if you watch the uh, the NC game where uh, they're playing against uh, uh, Diami Brown, I mean he was tackling, he was throwing guys around, he yeah. he was cutting in on routes really well. He's a big guy, but he can he, he moves really well. He tested really well as well. But that's not really why I like him. I, I was a little bit more skittish on him initially, and then I want like again like that was just kind of like all right Syracuse guy big six three dude, um how do these guys always you know how do how's he gonna translate you know he had his brother Obi Melifonwu played safety came out of UConn people were really high on him it was a second round pick didn't work out for the Raiders now partially keep in mind he was on the Raiders so uh, they've had a lot of turnover for they positions of- they, they get rid of good guys so and particularly in the secondary they seem to just I don't know what they, they whether they're not developing people properly in the secondary they had their scheme fits are off but for years and years and years they would always take corners safeties and they'd be on somebody else's team in a few years but yeah so now he i think he's actually in san fran now which is weird because i feel like everybody who is a raider in the last three years is now in san francisco doing something on at least for the training camp so listen it's fine obi melifonwu maurice hearse arden key all in san francisco um so with Melifonwu, I like him a lot. I like, I, 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 you know, I like what he can do in off coverage. I like seeing what he, you know, him. He, he stays in phase with receivers really well. He's a good tackler. Like yeah. he hits hard. The uh, the only thing is, again, like we're talking about before, where he had very little press man reps and very even lesser amount. Like I don't think he jammed a single receiver ever at the line of scrimmage. Those are things that were just not on his tape. 
Mm-hmm. And I think those are the things you maybe worry about more with him. And again, he doesn't have the athletic profile of Greg Newsom. He's about another tenth of a second slower. Yeah. He's still in the four fours, but you're talking about, okay, like six <laughs> three, running in the four fours now. He's gonna have that ability to maybe have the you know, his he's gonna be able to make up some of that because he has the length and the height. So right. he's gonna be able to like, you know, jump up, you know, he's gonna be able to jump up, turn around, and hit a ball down a lot easier than somebody who's like say five ten. Yeah. So, would, yeah, you would make the case that somebody like him has press man written all over him. It's kind of ironic that he played a little bit more in an off-man scheme because I worry about lengthy guys playing off typically yeah. because of the change of direction when smaller guys are running up up on them and causing them to get in their backpedal and then getting out of that backpedal. Syracuse's defense didn't make any sense. No. Which, and they have three really good D-backs there too. Yeah. Between him, Trill Williams, and we'll talk later about Andre Sisco. All three of those guys were very interesting prospects, and you know if they were in a different scheme, people would be talking about him even more so. Yep. The fact that he was good in those other things kind of makes me like him more. Yeah. And then if uh, you get a coach that who can coach him up in playing press man, who could give him, you know, teach him how to, you know, uh, some good techniques and how to jam a receiver at the line of scrimmage. And and again, if he's going to the right situation, he doesn't have to do all that right away. Right. So and, and I'll I'll bring. Uh, a couple public color commentators and, and other people who comment typically on the draft and prospects have made this point, and I'll bring it up again. Uh, when you're talking about someone from like Alabama and some of these other schools that have very good coaches, you squeeze all the juice out of them. You might actually end up getting somebody who progresses even more in the NFL. When you talk about something like Syracuse, who clearly they were good at recruiting, if they've yes. got all these like th- higher end prospects all being talked about in the first two or three or four rounds, um, if if their their scheme wasn't a good fit. Coaching can 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 lock that up real quick, and somebody's some of these. Yeah, the reason why they're rated so high is people are looking at them and saying they could be good. There's a reason why they're not, and if it's coaching, that's easily taken care of. Yeah, and I think he's more of a, a second round guy. I think teams are going to be too skittish to take him in the first round. Yeah. Level of competition, the defensive scheme, not getting to see him do everything he'd be doing at the next level. But he's probably a top fifty, top two round player in the draft. I think he's not he's not falling out of the second round. At least I don't think. But then again, I saw Sha- uh, Shaq Griffin fall into the third round, and the Seahawks took him. And that was, you know, that was a steal where a guy, and he ran four threes and was like a really solid player. But this is a guy who I, I like him a lot. I think there's a range of dudes in that kind of like mold again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy we could talk about is Eric Stokes out of Georgia and Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. Typically like Georgia DBs. Yes. I do. Um, DeAndre Baker didn't turn out all that great, but that was also because he was some- drafted by the Giants. He also had some off-the-field issues, I believe, Yes, right? they just kicked him out the door, and they're like, we're not keeping you around. You know, It was funny because he ended up being cleared of all that. So I know. It's, you know, who knows? But maybe that had something to do with their patience of, of, of being able to develop him. It's like, why are we investing in somebody that may or may not be guilty? Yeah, um, and the Giants seem to be way more skittish of those things. Yeah. Maybe because of the media market. I don't Could I don't be a Gettleman thing. Could be a culture thing they're trying to do. I don't know. I, I, I think it's more of a Mara thing because mm-hmm. – um, they did that with Janoris Jenkins a couple years ago, where he yeah. he uh, he said something not very nice on Twitter, and people kind of, you know, people kind of, you know, well, flared I him he for had it. Issues coming out, you know, I think he he had issues. Didn't he trans? Didn't he come out of like South Alabama or something? He, he transferred from somewhere in college, and there was some issues in his past. I don't want to slander anybody. I just remember like 
you would think that the Giants would be like, there's a trail history of that. If we're really concerned about it, maybe we should just avoid it altogether. Well, he, but Janoris Shankins wasn't signed by Gettleman, though. He okay. was signed by, I think he was a Reese guy. And then when they got rid of Reese, yes, Gettleman right. came in, and that was so. That might have been the difference. Is maybe Gettleman doesn't like that. Maybe it's. A, I still think it's a Mara thing. Could I think be. it's a New York market thing. Knowing like the, the Giants have a pretty. Uh, they want to have a good look. They feel they feel like one of those brands that's trying to be like all clean cut guys. They just feel like it. I don't know if that's the truth. It just feels that way. The they Jets feel like are a little bit more renegade. I I feel like they're the t- <laughs> well, at least the at least the fans are more renegade. Oh yeah, it's like night and day. Um, I also feel like the Giants have this kind of regal atmosphere around them. Like again, like they they, they care more about appearance than actually performance. I feel right. like sometimes, you know, you look at o, uh, OBJ and uh, and then the Eli Manning thing. Eli Manning getting benched, pe- you know, fans being up in you know flames about that, and then it's like. It, it, that was a whole – it's a whole other mess, and we shouldn't be relitigating the Giants anyway. We should be on to the next corner. We were talking about Stokes and Tyson Campbell. Um, Stokes, I mean, supreme athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's tested as pro day. We're off the chart. He also did uh, – I think he tested at House of Athlete mm-hmm. as well. So he's got two different athletic profiles that tested for him. And, again, tested in the 4-2s, 4-3s. At corner, again, this is, uh, you know, his three-cone was really good, top percentile, three-cone. Um, so athletic profile, really good. Uh, I still – I don't even think Georgia coaches their guys that great in uh, as far as uh, – I think they recruit well. They recruit well. Uh, That's why I think a lot of their guys, they, you know, when yeah. they're there, they're what they are. Yes. And if they're really good out of high school or if they're really eh, – they don't always improve. But typically but, I like their potential because of that. Let me see if I pull up my notes on him. Because um, I just finished wa- – yeah, I watched a bunch of his games. So, yes, 4-3-40. That was, like, his highest number rated. Mm-hmm. There was also the one he did at House of Athlete, which they did two different – they did the laser time, and then they also did a hand time. and the But they did the hand time, like, the way they do it at the Combine. Yeah. So, it's hand it's star bad. and laser yeah. end. So, again, and that was 4-2. The other one was – and then the, the pure laser time was still 4-3. So, he's fast, long yeah. speed-wise. Uh, four nine six three cone, 39-inch broad jump, 128-inch uh, broad jump, 32-inch uh, arms. All this stuff is in the 80 percentile. So, you, you know, what was this three cone? 6-9-6 uh, three cone. Okay. So under seven three cone. I thought you said four nine six at first, and I was like, Jesus Christ! Yeah. Somebody draft him right now. Yeah, right. Nobody's getting away from him. And what I liked about him is they they were not afraid of putting him up against uh, the fastest receivers. Clearly, because he has the athletic profile. Played a lot of man coverage. If you're drafting him, you want to be drafting him for a man coverage scheme. But he showed really good awareness in zone. Like I honestly think his zone awareness is something that's undercut. A couple of his interceptions were in zone, um, both in, I think it was the, let me see, I, I think the Arkansas game, he was playing, uh, one of his INTs, let me see if I could pull that off. I, he had two INTs that I saw that I really liked, and one of them was, uh, one of them he was playing off, and I think he was actually in man coverage on this one, but they were running a pick route, and he, he actually was able to get through the muck with the pick route, jump the route, Get the interception and run it in for a touchdown. Stoke, and you're not catching Stokes if he ca- if he's getting an interception and running in for a touchdown. So you have that pure athleticism there. He shows the movement skills. I think he's going to get pushed into the first round. He's the yeah. kind of guy I could see the Steelers going after. Kind of reminds yep. me of Artie Burns. 
the thing is, the Steelers run a lot of, uh, even still run a lot of zone concepts. And in fact, are usually even still a very zone heavy team. If you are drafting Stokes and you're putting him in a zone heavy team, you're not utilizing him to his best ability. Mm-hmm. But I think he's solid enough where he could pull it off. Yeah. So I like Stokes a lot. I like the athleticism. I don't think I was as high on him early on in the process. And then as I got to watch more, you know, more film of him, I go, oh, you know what? This guy kind of knows what he's doing a lot better. You know, very good awareness. Um, they put him on Anthony Schwartz in the Auburn game, which that guy is fast as well. In fact, one of my favorite receivers, if you're going like third, fourth round range, like mm-hmm. that's a guy who six feet tall, runs four two twos. Both those guys are like are, are track meet guys. Mm-hmm. So um his his change of direction at least in the three cone was better than tyson campbell's tyson campbell did not do as well in that so i I, i'm thinking tyson campbell's more along the and when i saw tyson campbell he did not look that bad when he had like as far as his change of direction Mm -hmm. he was just not like he did not have his three cone was like i think four i think i have it on here too um tyson campbell four seven one five three cone Mm -hmm. 437 uh 40 124 broad jump so that was still good he's six one he's got 32 inch arms too so i think he's more of a trey waynes kind of guy yeah where if you have him in the right scheme in the right system uh especially if you're running a lot of cover four i think he's going to be great for you yeah um if you want him to be going up you're never going to put this guy in the slot and if you are, you're dumb. I don't know why you're doing that. Yeah. Um, he's an outside corner. Both these guys are outside corners, like pure, almost purely. Yeah. Um, both have really good height, over six feet tall. Um, I think one has got the propensity to maybe be – I think Stokes is higher on my list because he's got the propensity to maybe be – like if you're talking about that top five guys, the guy who could break into that would maybe be Stokes mm-hmm. down the line. He's had some mishaps, and he's he's been cooked a couple of times as well in coverage. Uh, the Alabama game didn't look good for either of them, but it doesn't look good for most. Of them. Yeah, you're going up against guys who are again, you know, Devonte Smith. Uh, you know, for all the comments about his size, look, you can't have it both ways. Um, people bang on Mac Jones because he had all this talent, but then you know you might evaluate a corner that played against all that talent. Like, wow, he didn't do well against them. It's like, well, which is it? Are these guys NFL superstars at the Alabama level, or are they not? In which case, Mac Jones looks better. So I would argue that, yes, that is a a, a light into the guys they're going to see in the NFL, but it's also like if you had your worst game against Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. Yeah, well, also, see, that was the funny thing is I remember there was a thing that came up about J.C. Horn. Um, Sam Monson is a guy who, for PFF, I think they had like a video clip of him kind of bashing J.C. Horn being like, oh, Devontae Smith put him in a blender. I, I wouldn't argue that Devontae Smith put him in a blender. He got quite a few catches against him. He did pretty well. Yeah. It was also his 2019 film, and he developed a lot in 2020. Right. I think what he did in 2020 was just off the charts. And it shouldn't be – I know we're jumping around, but it's, yeah. we should mention because we've mentioned everybody else as a legacy. J.C. Horn, Dad Joe Horn, yes. phenomenal wide receiver. That can be beneficial in terms of insight into route concepts and recognizing when people are moving. And that I wouldn't, I would, wouldn't put it past J.C. Horn to have played receiver at least in high school. So uh, I'm sure that that helps him going forward too in terms of recognizing route concepts, understanding um, how hips might give away where somebody's going. So also helping with coaching on that front. One of my favorite lines about J.C. Horn is he plays corner like he has daddy issues <laughs> because he is brutal to receivers. And yeah. it's true, too, and that's why I like J.C. Horn a lot. So um, 
Anyway, did you have any uh, further comment on Tyson Campbell, nope. Eric Stokes? It sounds like Eric Stokes is your guy to like. That's it was weird because I didn't like Eric Stokes initially, and I kind of started like, yeah. It's. It, it, I mean, I can see you're, you're being fair. You're evaluating both. I still like Asante Samuel better. I still oh, like yeah. Asante Samuel. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know people who have Stokes ahead of him. Um, Personally, I and think. And a Fetu ahead of him. Which I think now you're starting to become size points. It's just it's crazy. You could be like five or six uh, uh, corners in the first round. You know, maybe 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 uh, more depending upon what people want and need. I mean, I think AFC it might go West, the other direction. I think you're only, there's only going to be three or four. And the you really think? Because I'm thinking because you, you do have Sertan, you have Horn, and you have I can. I mean, Farley might slide, but it's hard to picture Newsom. He gets into the late twenties. Asante Samuel late twenties. I think it's somebody gonna, like Stokes, and they like the size. I think it's. Four at mo- I think okay. four, five at most, and here's why. Um, one, I do think Farley falls out of the first round. Okay, wow. Um, Newsom. So also, there part of it's the team needs for all those teams in the first round, and I yeah. think there's going to be a massive run on tackles. And I think some teams' evaluation of some of these corners is going to be: I can get somebody similar in the second because round. It's deep, and and the the, the it's offensive deep, line is good up. at the top. And they have some decent depth, but I would argue that the corners and 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 even safety depth are well. The corners depth anyway is 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 a little bit better. So a lot of the teams that need corners also need offensive linemen. Yeah, seems like that's how it's working. Yeah, well, especially the Titans, the Steelers. Um, I would argue the Chiefs can use help on the back end as well as at the offensive line position. Yes, but they I, that. Les Snead guy did really well. Actually, they got they got a couple of those uh, yes. those corners that were like late round dudes. That they, but yes, you're right. Uh, and now they they're also not drafting anymore in the first round either. Right. So because they just trade for Orlando Brown, which I haven't even discussed yet on the show, they traded uh, a fir- they swapped their first round pick for the Ravens' second round pick to get Orlando Brown plus a couple of other picks. So there was a little bit of a pick swap. Kind of if you look at the total value, it's like they basically trade a, a mid second round pick to get Orlando Brown uh, of the Ravens who wants to play left tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, a big deal, I think. I think that makes that offensive line a lot better. Yeah. It is going to be interesting to see Orlando Brown play primarily on, you know, in a passing-heavy scheme Yes, where previously he was in a run-heavy scheme. Yes. So it is going to be interesting to see that still. Between him and Thune, you're going to be lo- running a lot more gap plays you're gonna be you know both those guys are very good pullers you're you're gonna be able to maul people with those two guys because they are just big dudes a lot more power plays you know they're gonna give uh i think they're gonna give uh clywards a layer a little bit more time yeah um a couple of other guys kelvin joseph i wanted to talk about a little bit i yeah i liked kelvin joseph i liked him initially he has some decent tape against alabama particularly Devontae smith yes but uh he's um Again, not a guy that I have. I feel like I have too much insight on. Um, he he was intriguing, but I, I feel like there's there's something to his game where he just seems like a step behind in some cases. Uh, good feet, uh, not everything working between the ears. Maybe that's it. Like his and, and, eyes and his. I think his understanding of route concepts is still relatively new. He didn't right. play a lot in college. He doesn't have a huge sample size. He played for LSU. Yeah. Then he transferred because he. Uh, he, he seemed like he, he was out of position in, in times where it, he could have made it easier on himself. Yeah, there was the. Well, okay, so I think there was one play where they were playing Florida and Pitts burned him for a touchdown. Yeah. And. Well. It, and but Kyle Pitts is really good. Kyle, Kyle Pitts, Pitts is a top five pick in this draft. I argue folks. he's the best player in the draft outside of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, it's because so, of how quarterbacks valued. If you didn't get value quarterback that way, yes. Yeah. yeah, so uh, he got burned by Kyle Pitts on a. I, I would say just a really amazing play by Kyle Pitts. But there's just times where he kind of 
he he loses track. Like I said, the the hands and the eyes don't always help him very much. Like he's just kind of not doesn't always know maybe all the concepts that he needs to be following. Part of that might be a more developmental track, right? He you know like I said, he's got really good feet. He has the feet to keep with anybody. Yeah. In and that's maybe I think he's more of a, a day two guy. Yeah. Um, For sure. I know there were some people who like who have him like as their top three corner, and mm. there's two reasons why that's not going to happen. Uh, one. Uh, I just think there's he has some lacking moments. Um, two, he's had multiple times where, like when he was at LSU, there's a reason why he's not at LSU anymore. Yeah. Um, there was a uh, he got suspended for the bowl game when he was at LSU. He transferred to go to Kentucky. He played really well at Kentucky. Yep. Um, and then when he played at Kentucky, though, basically at the end of the season, like he was starting to kind of like check out and be like, "Yo, like I, I think I might." I might opt out, but I don't want to opt out. I want to be around. Eventually, yeah. the coaches are like, listen, either opt out or don't. Like, just we opt out know. or play. We need to know. You need to make yeah, a decision not, here. Yeah. So he, he opted out, but the coaches were basically, like, pushing him out the door a little bit because they were kind of getting tired of that kind of shtick. So, and that's it, what it ends up looking like is a shtick when you're half in, half out. It's yeah. like you're either completely convinced that this is what's best for you and your family or you're all in on the team. Um, the and they were getting one tired foot in, one foot out is like, do you want it both ways? What's the, you know. So there might be some maturity question marks. So I think he's going to be a day two guy. I think he probably goes in the third round. Um, I think he he has the the second round pick uh, play level. Like yeah. I think he's a guy who a team, if they spend a second round pick, I would not be shocked on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's more likely to go third round. I, latest I see is fourth round. I think yeah. day early day three is the latest I could see him fall. But it depends on how teams investigate. I think part of that would be that off-field thing. Yeah. So they have more insight than we do. Yeah. Why was he suspended when he was at LSU? What was going on here? If it was something like a, you know, it depends. It could be a drug test. It could be this. It's like if those were the things, maybe teams feel a little bit better about it than other things. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, uh, Kelvin Joseph, like I said, good feet. Kind of not the uh, not not always the best um, awareness guy though. Not best football IQ, but maybe I think he still has the opportunity to learn. So that's yep. why I like him a lot too. And he was a guy who I kind of like jumped on early in the process. Yes. I do like him. And there's moments where I like him better than Stokes. Like there are things yeah. that I like because I think he's already at a level where he's pretty good. It seems like you're trying to convince yourself out of Stokes, but you can't help it. Well, honestly, if I was doing a list right now, I might say I would like him more than Stokes. I think the part of Stokes' athletic profile kind of sells me on it. But they both have good athletic profiles. Yeah, he's, I think the thing that worries me about Calvin Joseph is more about the other things than the on-field stuff. Right. And that's why I don't have that worry with Stokes, and maybe that's why I put Stokes ahead of him mm-hmm. in these rankings. If I was going pure on-field, I'd probably lean Joseph. And okay. that's kind of that. That's the way I would look at it. Okay. Um. Other guys that I kind of like, Adebo and Benjamin St. Juice, those are guys that are more third-round guys for, like, those cover three, cover four schemes. Yeah, I was going to say, because Adebo... Um, he opted out. Yeah, well, I I mean, look, Stanford guy, obviously smart. I, I think that he's got pretty good... Uh, he's a fairly prototypical size. Like, I, I think that where he lacks sometimes is that short area quickness, and mm-hmm. maybe it's not as important in the schemes he's playing. But, uh, you know, you know, we talk about another Stanford guy, Richard Sherman. It's like... He also didn't have great short area quickness, but he was physical, and yes. he was a former receiver, so he was very good at understanding route concepts, and that's one of the ways you can make up for that. I don't know Adebo's history with regards to that, but uh, definitely you know, an interesting prospect at the very least. Yeah, uh, I think he's probably more likely to uh, – he's one of those guys that would really benefit from going to a Seattle cover three yeah. scheme 
or if you're going to maybe a Viking style scheme where you're playing a lot of cover four and you have the the split safeties and and you're if you're you're like what you are in charge of taking care of is not necessarily having to play a lot of like again shifty receivers you're playing on the outside you know your responsibility right. especially if you're playing a lot of you know a, a lot of zone concepts I think he'd be very good at that yep. um you had a matchup on the right guy so I think he's he, he runs I guess Shaq Griffin I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. that's the kind of guy who I think is that third round Shaq yep. Griffin kind of style dude um St. Juice actually shows a little bit better short area quickness than him mm-hmm. and showed up really well at the senior bowl and I think teams are going to be really high in St. Juice um especially again kind of third fourth round guy who has that size uh athleticism profile that teams like again another big dude mm-hmm. there's a lot of those in this draft class that's I think why teams might like this draft class a lot corner wise because it's got a lot of depth yep um any other guys that you were looking to mention as far as corners go? No, we don't have to dip into them, uh, but just the particularly with regards to the possibility of playing slot corners and maybe a little bit more. But you're looking at guys like like Eric Molden, and you're looking at guys like Aaron Robinson, and they're so Molden. T- I wanted to talk about when we yeah. talk safeties because I feel like there's that little bit of a that's thing why going I, on. I think about sw- slot corner and even maybe like a Buda Baker role. Like you're talking about guys that you know they're they maybe don't have the top end speed or the size that would give you confidence on the outside doesn't mean they can't play it yeah but it just seems like they would be you'd be doing them a disservice not to give them the best chance of succeeding and i think that they can succeed in those roles yeah so i think molden i for me i like him as like that kind of buddha baker quasi safety dude and they were both washington right uh buddha baker uh, oh uh, molden is yeah buddha uh, yeah wash uh, elijah molden is washington yes yes so yeah I, I there you go and i I liked watching his tape, and again, they they did play him a lot at safety. Yeah. He was about fifty percent slot, and then like he split the other two safety roles quite a bit. So I liked him a lot. Um, we'll talk more about him in the safety episode and where sure. I kind of yeah. feel about him. Uh, Tay Gowan is another guy who uh, another opt out guy. Um, good athleticism. I think he's probably going to be another. I, I don't know how teams are going to value him. Because, again, yeah. opt-out UCF guy, him and Aaron Robinson, I don't know how teams are going to value both those guys. Aaron Robinson is more of a slot corner, but right. more of a press man slot corner, which is not, you know, if you do a lot of coverage looks, you do a lot of press man, you kind of like that kind of guy. If you right. can have a guy who can, you know, press out of the slot, and you're going up against a lot of uh, tough dudes. I I kind of like that kind of a player. He's kind of a third rounder for me as well. And then Tay Gowan, I think, is kind of going to be a mid-round guy sure. who might fall a little bit because of, you know, they, they just don't have the the tape limited sample size uh but he tested really well uh i again and he opted out because he got covid and his family uh, yeah he also had a uh he had a young child who had some some issues so he did not want to run the risk of you know get, yeah. uh, you know her getting covid as well and i think that's what a lot of teams are going to look into with regards to the opt-outs it's like whether or not like gms they nitpick everything they're yes. going to want to know why you opted out was it do you do you have someone at home with some sort of medical condition do you are you just focused on going to the nfl how all in are you on football there's a lot of things that they're going to have to dissect and when you start getting down to the nitty-gritty if, if those are the cases they might be something that they're not going to hold it against them yeah other reasons they might and Deion sanders pointed this out very early on he said i know it's not it's a little bit controversial to say but this is how teams evaluate you and sometimes if you opt out you have to understand that that might be something held against you or it might not well, depending it- upon what they think you did it for it's also the uh, there's two ways it gets held against you, right? It's the it lowers your sample size, you yes, get less playing tape in the one. NFL, and uh, and then the other end of it is it it, it maybe the teams ask like your commitment to football. Yeah, I think with a guy like Tay Gowan, 
Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, if you have specific reasons, and maybe they look into that and they say, oh, non-issue. Yeah, but then you still look at the sample size, the ability yeah. to really get to evaluate the player, and you might be like, well, we don't really have enough to go off on this. Right. Um, one more dude I wanted to mention, he's a slot corner. He played horrible when he played at outside corner with Sean Wade. I was, you know what? I'm glad you brought him up because I, I, I typically bring up Ohio State corners, and I meant to bring him up before this, so thank you for bringing him up. Because he's the only Ohio State corner, really, that has a yes. big name in this draft, and he did not play well. And I feel like he's he one of those guys higher in the past. The more he played, the lower he got graded. I the mean, further, well, the further outside he played, the, yes. the worse he got graded. And that's why, maybe, because he played in the slot when he first got there, because obviously he's lower on the depth chart. Yeah. You have a lot of talented corners that come out of Ohio State being forced to play outside. Maybe, maybe expose some things. Maybe he didn't have the athleticism. There's also maybe some questions that it, it, it exposed his confidence level. Because, yeah. let me put it this way, to be a corner, you have to have confidence, right? Resilience. Yeah, you have There's... to. And if you keep on getting your confidence shaken, yeah. like, that's not going to be helpful. You almost so, got to be arrogant to the point where it's like yeah. you have to be like, oh, that didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just rub it rub it off like, like a it's like a water one play, to a duck. Just, it's a, what's the thing? It's a one play game or whatever. It's yes. a, you don't think about the next. You don't think about the last. Because you don't and the want next it to play. domino. You can't be thinking about the last play when the next play is at hand. Otherwise, you're going to trip yourself up. Yeah. And that is the number one thing with corners. Other positions, you need to learn from your mistakes. I'm not saying you don't with corner, but not in game. In game, you need to be like nothing. But that's a guy who might have gotten hurt by not opting out. Because think about it, if he had opted out. Then everybody's just looking at his old. Oh yeah, he. Oh, he played and they'd really be like, well. oh, he he could probably play on the outside, you know. Yeah. So they might be like, maybe we'll play him on the outside, but at least we could play him at slot. They pick him as a fourth rounder or something, or maybe even a third rounder, and then then he blows up on you, and then well, there's the the turducken that you didn't expect to have. Um, but yeah, like he played really well at slot. I think there's been a lot of questions about maybe moving him to safety, uh, and we'll talk more about safeties yeah. uh, when we get to to that. Uh, as far as that goes, I think that was the. Everyone that we needed to mention about. I think those were the primary ones. ones. Yeah, the ones. There's there's always people that surprise you. Trying to think of other ones that I I can't think of one off the top of my head anymore. Um, but those are primarily the ones that I've looked into, liked, enjoyed watching their film. Some of the questions that you might have with them. Um, but yeah. So if you want, you can follow the show uh, at uh, DraftVice on Twitter at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at brojo. Death is in the end of life. Punch like a delicious drink you drink in the summer. Uh, you could follow Ricky. Nowhere. Nowhere. Don't he, follow me. Don't don't follow Please him don't at all. Please don't follow me at all. It's a little creepy. <laughs> um, you also tune into the live stream show. It's going to be a big, weird, crazy bonanza. I'll be there. Yeah. Um, vaccinated, I'll be there. So just come up to me and cough on me. It's fine. Yeah, if you're, if you're showing up, you can see Ricky. He'll be there. And then I, I, I'm going to maybe try and do a little bit of crowd stuff. Maybe have people, if they want to show up and be like, yo, like I said before, fuck the Steelers or fuck the... The, the Packers, yeah, you'll get to be able to say that live on YouTube and in front of a room full of people at a billiards hall. So, yes, uh, check it out. Nanuet, New York. And uh, have a nice day. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about the past, I'm about the people.